We live, we love, we serve. Do I have any perfectly imperfect people in the building? Ooh, Lord have mercy. I'm so glad God doesn't require us to be perfect. That's people. Imperfect people who want you to be perfect. Amen. I was actually, um, those of you who know me know I love this season, this season of Advent, this season of Christmas, uh, where we are uh, celebrating the birth of Christ, but also it's a time of the year when we're feeling a little more grateful, you know, a little more thankful, a little more loving, hopefully a little more forgiving. <laughs> Amen. We got to do some forgiving up in this place. Um, and so I, I start Christmas early. Um, and so this week I was watching uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's me. That old, old card. I don't even know how old it is. Um, but but you, you all know, you all are familiar with, with this, the song Rudolph. He has this old song, you know, Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen and Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. But do you recall? The most famous reindeer of all. I got some spirit people and some Christmas people in the spirit. Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, says, had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeers used to laugh and call him names they never let poor Rudolph play in any reindeer games. Uh, amen. Don't go to the next part. That's for the end of the sermon. Amen. Uh, but I was, you know, I was watching that. And every time I watch it, my heart just goes out to, to poor Rudolph. Uh, because they give him such a hard time about something that he really can't do anything about. Um, he was born a little bit differently, having a red nose instead of a black nose. And on top of the nose being red, it also um, shined, right? Um, and he found himself just in such a difficult situation because people really made him feel like a misfit. Um, even to the extent that, that Santa got mad at his father because Rudolph was born with a red nose. Now, how are you going to do that? Amen. Um, but I was watching this and it made me think about, you know, all the times that I felt like a misfit. Right. Um, not only was Rudolph a misfit in Christmastown, um, but do you all remember Bernie, uh, who was the elf? who wanted to be a dentist. See, y'all got to go back and watch this movie. I'm telling y'all, is this some theology in here? It'll bring some things out. And so he's there. He's the elf. Uh, he wants to be a dentist. They're confused by this because elves are supposed to want to make toys. That's, that is their whole purpose um, in life is to make toys. But he did not want to make toys. He wanted to be a dentist. And so here he is, a misfit among the elves because he had a different dream. Ooh. And so he and Rudolph, they get together. They decide they're going to run away. You know, they're tired of being a misfit. They're tired of, of, of all that comes with not actually fitting in, uh, not actually feeling a sense of belonging. Um, and so they go on their quest. Y'all know what happens. They come across the abominable snowman. Uh, who then scares them. They end up having to go on an iceberg. They're traveling uh, and don't even really know where they're going. And they come to this island of misfit toys. So now you have Rudolph, 
uh, the reindeer who, who seems to be a misfit. And you have Bernie, the elf, who wants to be a dentist, who also seems uh, to not fit in. And now the both of them have come to this island of toys uh, that don't fit in. Y'all remember these toys? Uh, there was a Charlie in the box. <laughs> supposed to be Jack. He's a misfit, okay. There's a spotted elephant, right? There's a train that has square wheels. Um, there's a water pistol that shoots jelly. A bird that swims instead of flies. Right? There's a cowboy riding an ostrich. And a boat that can't stay afloat. Uh, and they all greet them when they come and all they want to do is to find a little boy or a little girl or some little friend who will love them and accept them and honor them for who they are. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like an outsider, like you didn't belong, like you didn't felt fit in, like whatever it was about you as a person individually, maybe it was something um, about your physical uh, demeanor, maybe it's something about your emotional, maybe it was your attitude, maybe it was your belief system, but, but somehow people made you feel like you didn't fit in. Anybody here um, ever had that? Yeah. Yeah, because, and children can be really cruel. Like, I don't know what kind of childhood y'all had, but I got teased all the time. I was four-eyed Keisha. Hey, man, it was, it was a whole situation. Um, but we ultimately, at some point, um, probably have all felt like an outsider at one point or another. And so when I was watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, it made me think about Jacob, right, in this story of Jacob, because Jacob, in a lot of ways, could be considered an outsider um, or a misfit. Um, he, countered, he encountered a lot of challenges in his life. You know, first of all, he was born uh, to his mother and father, um, and he was the first, they were the first set of twins. So this hadn't happened before. Um, and so this was kind of an outlier that there would be twins born. This is the first recorded birth of twins in the Bible. But not only that, um, the, the, what God had said that the younger brother, uh, the older brother would serve the younger brother. And so that was a juxtaposition because that's not how things were supposed to happen. It was the younger brother that was supposed to serve and honor the older brother um, to the extent that when the children were born, Esau came out first, but Jacob was clutching on his heel when he came out and came out right after him. And many believed that he was trying to pull him back in so that he could get out first. But just these things, these are outliers that were not normal, that, that made possibly him feel like, like a bit of a misfit. Not only that, but then after having been born, and he's a set of twins, and this is not um, common around there, but now he had to contend with the fact that his father uh, seemed to love his brother more than him. Right. We see that in the Bible that Esau was a hunter. Uh, he was a man of the field. He liked to go out and collect and He spent a lot of time with daddy out in the field hunting. But but Jacob was more of a homebody. He liked to be in the garden. He he liked to cook and spend time with his mother. And so now there was contention in the household because it looked like um, Esau uh, was the favorite of, of Isaac. And it looked like Jacob was the father of Rebecca. We got to be careful um, how we treat these children 
children in the houses that we're growing up in, right? We got to be thoughtful about the things that we do and the way that we make them feel because feelings do matter and feelings are real and you can't take away how somebody feels even if it's not your intention, right? And, and we have to recognize that sometimes these things happen. One person is closer to one, one person is closer to another, but it ought not take away from the love that is in the house, the love that we have for each other, the love that we have for our brothers, the love that we have for our sisters. But if you can imagine, here we are again with Jacob being kind of an outlier with his father. Um, and so it was the older brother that was supposed to get the blessing. And those of you who know the story uh, know that because it was in Rachel's mind, no, 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 uh, the, the younger is supposed to be the one to lead. The older is going to serve uh, the younger. Uh, she puts a plot together. Right. She puts a plot together and she tells um, Jacob exactly what to do to steal his brother's birthright and to get his father's blessing. And so Jacob basically steals his brother birthright and gets his father's blessing. And when Esau found out, whew, it was about to be some smoke in the city. I'm telling you right now to the to the extent that Esau was being able to deal with his grief and comfort himself by telling himself that as soon as their father died, he was going to kill his brother. And mama found out. And so when mama found out, she was like, oh, this is not going down. I'm not going to lose both of my sons in the same day. So um, she developed a, a plot for, for Jacob to be able to leave. And, and she went to her husband and said, listen, um, I need you to send Jacob away because these Hittite women here, they, they are not the ones. And he needs to go marry someone in our clan and in our family. Um, and so then Isaac sent Jacob away uh, to Rachel's brother Laban to find a wife. Y'all follow me? It's in the book. Uh, and so Jacob goes to find a wife. He goes to his uncle. Um, but before he gets to his uncle, he meets Rachel. Rachel was beautiful, stole his heart, took his breath away. Uh, Midrash said that he might have sneaked a kiss. Uh, and that's why he had to, to marry her. And so he goes to his uncle and says, listen, I, I want to marry her. Um, and his uncle says, okay, listen, the bride price is you working for me for seven years. So you got to work in my fields, taking care of my flocks for seven years. And after you work for seven years, then you can marry my daughter. Whoo, Lord have mercy. We talked about that bride price a couple of weeks ago. This, this right here, it's a bride price. And so Jacob did that. He worked seven years so that he could marry Rachel. But then he got married and he woke up the next morning and it wasn't Rachel, it was Leah. And so the same way that he had tricked his father is the same way that his uncle Laban had tricked him. That's why you gotta be careful how you treat people. You got to be careful because our grandma would say, what goes around comes around. The Bible says if you sow the wind, then you will reap the whirlwind. And that's what happened. So he wakes up and now he's married to Leah instead of Rachel. And he is furious with indignation, goes stampeding to, to the father, his uncle, saying, how could you do this to me? And he says, well, you know, in our family, and our custom, you have to, the, the, the older daughter has to marry first and then the younger daughter. But you know what? It's okay because if you work for me another seven years, then you can marry Rachel. Could you imagine? I, I mean, when I say this man had gone through a lot, this man had gone through a lot. And so he worked another seven years 
so that he can marry Rachel. So now he has worked. He has done what he was called to do. He's leaving. He's got his two wives. Both of his wives had maids. Uh, the name of the maids was Billi and Zilpah. And so not only uh, did Jacob have children through his wives, but he also had children through his maids. Jacob was getting it in, y'all. He had 11 kids with four. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, and so he's now going back because God has told him to go back, to go back uh, to where he came from. But he's afraid. He's afraid that Esau is going to kill him. Um, and so what he does now is he gathers all of these gifts for Esau. Um, he sends these gifts ahead of him, uh, 200 um, goats, uh, 200 ranches, all of these gifts that he's sending ahead. And he's sending them ahead because in his mind, he feels like, well, if uh, my brother Esau gets the gifts before he sees me, then maybe he will be able to accept me because these gifts are going to soften his heart a little bit. So he sent everything above. He sent all the gifts ahead of him. And then he was there with just his wives. And then this is where we come into this text that he then sends his wives on and he's there by himself. He's there by himself. And, and I want to just just make a note here because sometimes we are disappointed in life. Sometimes things happen uh, that we don't anticipate happening. Sometimes people mistreat us. Sometimes circumstances just don't work out the way that we plan, but we cannot allow disappointment to shape our disposition. Right. Because we still even regardless of what we've lost, we've still got some things left, even regardless of how bad this situation is. There's still a blessing on this side because it's just one thing. Tell your neighbors just one thing. Out of all the things, your heart is still beating, your lungs are still working, your body is still functioning. It's just one thing. You still have family, you still have love, you, you still have friends. It's just one thing. You've got clothes on your back and shoes on your feet and can give a shout to the Lord. It's just one thing. Don't make the one thing become everything and it sours your disposition. And so he here in this text is going back, trying to make things right with this brother that he's cheated. And the text said that a man came and wrestled with him all night long. Man, Jacob was a fighter. Like how you, I still don't understand how you wrestle with God and, and God don't, don't put you down. Uh, I guess God might have made it a fair fight. I guess. I don't know. Uh, but somehow he was wrestling and wrestling and to the extent that, that, that this, this man that he found out later was God, um, hit him in his hip socket and, and knocked his hip out of joint. And do you know he kept on wrestling? He kept on wrestling to the extent that this, this man who was God said, let me go. It's almost daylight. Uh, and Jacob says, well, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, we've been fighting and now my hip is out of socket, but you're going to give me a blessing before I let go of you. And sometimes we leave too fast. Sometimes we give up too soon, when, but God wants to bless us. And sometimes we've got to stay around long enough to receive the blessing that God wants us to have because God ain't going to force a blessing upon you but if you just let the Lord I will not let you go until you bless me until you bless my situation oh God until you bless my mind until you bless my heart until you bless all of me I'm gonna keep on holding on and some of us have just got to keep on holding on and stop blaming God for the things that people do God can't make somebody love you we all together? 
Sometimes we blame God for things and we say, God, why would you allow this to happen to me? But it wasn't God allowing it to happen to you as much as it was the person who did whatever that person did. And the same way you have free will is the same way that person has free will. So we each have the opportunity to bless or curse. We have the opportunity to heal or hurt. It's in us. Come on, look at your neighbor and say it's in us. Let us not blame God for the things that God is not responsible for, right? But here in this text, God is a little responsible for, the, for what happened to Jacob. But even though Jacob's hip was moved out of place, Jacob was still blessed because he refused to let go of God until he got his blessing. Even in the midst of him getting his blessing, the text said that after that, he walked with a limp, right? There was something that shifted and changed after that God encounter so that he had something that was different about him again, going from one situation of not fitting into another situation of not fitting in. And now he has even a limp so that when he's walking, every time he's walking, he's walking with this limp. Um, and, and sometimes we have to recognize that that we may be damaged, but we're not disposable, right? There may be something that's going on with us, but it doesn't give ourselves or people the right to throw us away. Uh, some of us, when tragedy happens, look uh, and want to even give up, but God is not calling us to have a give up spirit in this season. This is a season where we got to fight. This is a season where we got to stand. This is a season where we've got to put on the armor of God and recognize that we are a unstoppable. Oh, we are unstoppable. I don't care what's going on in your life right now. You are unstoppable. I don't care what they said or what they did. You are still unstoppable. When you think about everything that you've been through and everything that you've gotten over and everything that you've gotten past and every mountain that you've had to climb and every valley that you've had to go through and every river that you've had to swim over and you're still here. Oh, baby, you are unstoppable. There's nothing weak about you. There's nothing insignificant about you. There is nothing that people can use to tear you down because you are unstoppable. You are still here. Come on, tell somebody I'm still here. Oh, I shouldn't be here, but I'm still here. I should have been dead, but I'm still here. I should be out of my mind, but I'm still here. I am. Oh, unstoppable. Somebody ought to just tell your neighbor, I am unstoppable. Come on, tell yourself, I am unstoppable. Ah, because the truth is, you are not a misfit. You are exactly uh, who God has called you to be. And if the people around you can appreciate you, the good, appreciate the good that is you, then that means you've got the wrong people around you. It doesn't mean you're a misfit. It may mean that they're in the wrong place, that they're in the wrong person's life. So don't ever let somebody make you feel any less than you are because of how you look or because of how you dress or because of how you talk or because of who's in your family, because of anything. You are not a misfit. You belong in the family of God. What we have to learn to do, FCBC, 
is to not despise our difference. Your difference is what qualifies you to be an original creation of God. If you were like everyone else, then what is the point? You are different because God made you different. God gave you the gifts that you would need in this life. And yes, your gifts may not be somebody else's gift, but it doesn't make your gift any less valuable. Ah, so we recognize that we are different. And instead of shunning our different, appreciate your difference. Stand tall in your difference. Allow your difference to shine because it's what makes you an original of God. So when someone tries to convince you to be like them, uh, when, when really they're already imitating somebody else, and they want you to be a false imitation of a false imitation, Oh, you tell them I'm an original baby. I can't do that. God hasn't called me there. God has me right here. God didn't give me those gifts. God gave me these gifts. God didn't make me like you. God made me like me. Is there anybody here that wants to recognize that God made you different for a reason? Tell your neighbor you're not a misfit. And so Jacob leaves that night with a limp. And that limp, I'm sure people looked at him and wondered what happened. Uh, and wonder why was he walking like that when they had just seen him previously and he was able to walk fine. But I want you to know that Joseph was unstoppable too. Because he didn't let that limp stop him from living the life that God has called him to live. And let me just say. I, I believe that there may be some of us in here today walking with a limp. It may not be a physical limp, but it could be a spiritual limp. Some of us are, are limping emotionally. Some of us are limping psychologically because we haven't been able to get our minds past that situation that happened. And so we're not showing up in the fullness of who we are, but we're just limping. And we're wondering why things aren't working the way we're called. We're calling them and believing them to work. Uh, but it's because you're not showing up as your best self because you. But even as you limp, you can still get victory. I mean, look at, look at Jacob. Jacob was able to go on and have another child. Amen. Y'all are something else. He had that limb, but he was able to have Joseph. He was able to bless Joseph. So then Joseph could be a blessing to his father uh, and his brothers. He was able to still be a blessing to his children. He was able to continue living his life. So even if you have a limp, that should not stop you from living. God has called you to live this life you've been created to live. And whether you can walk, whether you're limping or whether you're crawling, you can still live and make a difference in the world that you're living in. Why? Because you are unique. You are an original. You are different. And that uniqueness and that originality and that difference does not have to be perfect. 
I don't know where we get this notion of that God wants us to be perfect and, and live this perfect life and, and that as soon as we mess up, we're beating ourselves up and, and pulling out our hair because we've messed up. No, God didn't call you to be perfect. That's why we have Jesus, the one who came and sacrificed for us and showed us a better way of living. That's why we have forgiveness. That's why we have grace. That's why we have mercy because God doesn't call us to be perfect. So don't let anybody beat you up because you are not showing up as perfect because if they would look in the mirror they could recognize that they're not the only imperfect person in the room um, and sometimes sometimes the thing that makes you different is exactly what's needed to remind you of just how imperfectly perfect you are uh, why do we say that well, because if we go back to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, amen, we recognize uh, that, that the end of that song says, then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say. Now, this is the same Santa that had a problem with Rudolph, that wanted to excommunicate Rudolph, but you got to be careful because people will reject you until they need your gift. You wonder why they showing up on your doorstep again? It's because that same thing they talked about is now the very thing that they need. You wonder why they calling you again on the phone after they treated you so bad? It's because that same, somebody say the same gift. It's the same gift that they didn't want. It's the same gift that they didn't appreciate. It's that same gift that they talked about you for that now they are in need of just like Santa. Rudolph with your nose so bright. You see that? You see how they do? Now, now it's not the shiny, dysfunctional red nose that doesn't belong, but now it's, it's with your nose so bright. Won't you guide my sleigh? Oh, just keep on living, y'all. Just keep on living because those same people that pushed you out will be those same people that will try to come and pull you back in. Just keep on living. Those same people that talked about you will be those same people that will be asking you to pray for them. Just keep on living. Those same people that didn't want you in the club will be calling you, asking you what you're doing. Just keep on living. Uh, the same is true for Bernie. Uh, the indomitable snowman was following them. Um, and when he came back, they were all in the cave. He had his pliers, y'all. What'd he do? He pulled out all his teeth. So that very thing, I need, I'm, I, I need somebody to, to understand. That very thing that they made fun of him for was the very thing that saved his life. And so I just need just a few people in here that recognize I am not a misfit. I am perfectly imperfect. And that makes me perfect for God because God loves the perfectly imperfect. Just ask Moses uh, who killed a man. But God went and got him and said, I need you to lead a nation. Now, none of us would have chosen Moses because we would have still been talking about how Moses was a murderer. But because he was perfectly imperfect and had a heart that could be used by God, God went and turned that murderer into 
a liberator and he liberated a people. Oh, come on, just ask David. Uh, David was an adulterer and he killed a man so that he could have his wife. But God looked at David and said, but your heart is like my heart. So I'm still going to bless you. I just need some people in here that recognize that you are not a throwaway, that you are not disposable, that whatever you have done, God can use it to make you better. And I'm going to tell you this. People can take a lot away from you, but what they can't take away is what you become in the process of your challenge. They can't take away that strength. They can't take away that hope. They can't take away that joy. So I just need some people who understand uh, that you're not a misfit. You are perfectly imperfect. And God is not through with you yet. So many people in this Bible, our Bible, that God used, not a one of them was perfect. And so you might be in position for an assignment. You might be in perfect position to be used by God in your imperfections. Why? Because your strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, that's when you're strong. The places where you think you're weak, those are the very places that God can use to be a blessing not only to you, but to people around you. Keep on living, keep on loving, keep on serving. And in this season especially, you know, when people try to bring up what you did, you know why they do that? To make themselves feel better about what they did. So that in their mind, they can say, well, I'm not as bad as her. Ah, oh, just look at them and smile. Say, thank you for reminding me of that. I'm so glad you reminded me of that because you're reminding me that I'm perfectly imperfect. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up, what happened 10 years ago, because you're reminding me of how far God has brought me. Thank you. Thank you for never forgetting that because as long as I know I got past that and through that, I know that I am unstoppable. Just, just tell them thank you. Like, don't get an attitude. Don't get mad. Don't leave the party. Just say thank you. Somebody just say thank Thank you. Oh, thank you for reminding me of what I've come through. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me of what I've come past. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me for what I've come over. Thank you for reminding me that I'm not perfect. But because I'm not perfect, I still need God. And because I'm not perfect, God still shows up for me. And because I'm not perfect, God still makes a way for me. So thank you. Thank you. Listen, this season, it's a rough season. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas is the highest suicide numbers every year. But not here. Because we know that the one thing is just the one thing. And we know that the thing that we didn't think we were going to be able to get through the last time, we got through. And so this thing that we don't think we're going to be able to get over this time, guess what? We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it. We're going to get through it because we're perfectly imperfect. We are not misfits, we are originals. And God forgive those who don't appreciate an original design. 
Oh, we know you used to looking like everybody else and dressing like everybody else and wearing the same things and having the same attitudes and having the same beliefs, but forgive me. I refuse to step into a box when God has delivered me from a box. I refuse to hide myself in a closet when God has opened a door that no person can open. I am here and I'm here to stay. Somebody ought to give God praise. Come on, stand up all over the building. Tell your neighbor, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to stay. I ain't going nowhere. So if you are comfortable, hallelujah. 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 We live, we love, we serve.